0: We're on a journey together, this side of Easter, where we're saying, Jesus sounds good. I like the Jesus thing, but I still have all these doubts and and questions, and we're going to address one of those today together. Uh, But I I am leaving for two weeks in just a couple minutes, and I, I wanted to just bring you up to speed on one of the things you may or may not have seen. A couple weeks ago, we put a construction trailer in the north lot. We did a capital campaign here last year and are eager to start uh, constructions. Um, But how many of you have ever uh, remodeled anything, your house or a project in your house? Okay, maybe half of you. How many of you have found that process to be one where it goes faster than you thought and it costs less than you thought it would? (laughs) Never. And that's the case. That's the case here. It takes longer usually costs more, and you want to get it right. Well, the complexity of putting together four different floors, levels, in a 60-year-old building that's had four different construction projects, there's been lots of going back and forth between the architect and the structural engineers and the contractors and, and us, and it's just taken longer. And here at the last couple minutes, the city... Has asked us uh, to address some additional issues. They're not being bad, but it's just more hoops to jump through. We anticipate resolution of that in the next 10 days, uh, two weeks, and then we go to the contractors for what's called their final price to which they will commit. Our hope is that uh, construction will start in the next three to five weeks. We're still shooting for the Easter time frame. And uh, our hope is that it will uh, come together. The elders of this church met uh, for a long meeting last Wednesday night. Went till almost 1130. And in the course of that, we went through all the changes and we approved a not-to-exceed-this-number number that we gave to our representative to use as a framework for making decisions And with the hope that we would come in lower than that top number. In the weeks uh, ahead, uh, we have always said that we were going to have to do some short-term financing as money from the pledges comes in and construction costs go on. We're going to work on that financing and uh, we are still committed to not having a a mortgage at the end of, of this campaign. But we will keep the congregation fully informed of all the changes. Some of these changes really are improvements. It's better to do it this way. Some of them we're doing because there's a lot of things you'd like to do you just can't afford to do. So we are together in this, and our hope is that before I return in three weeks, we will have started construction. So, clearly we need to pray. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the the voices of freshmen in high school who are on this journey of faith, who who look into the Bible sometimes for the first time and, and read things like the grass withers and the flowers perish, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And the psalm that says, may the words of my mouth And the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, our God. Amen. So we're on this journey of life and faith saying, Jesus sounds good, but, and it's normal. It's even important to have questions and doubts on the journey. That's how your faith grows And comes to new places. And and, uh, of course, there's one important question whenever you're on a journey, which is, am I going the right way? Now, men have no problems with this. We are quick to stop and ask for directions or ask our spouse or our kids, am I going the right way? But for the women and the kids, we need to ask, am I going the right way? That's what happens here today in today's story out of the Scriptures. Somebody turns and asks Jesus about the way. And as often the case, Jesus gives an answer that surprises them. Jesus usually gives answers that go across the grain. Lose your life and you'll save it. The last will be first, the meek will inherit the earth. Rejoice in persecution. Pray for your enemies. It's better to give than to receive turn the other cheek, don't get revenge. Those are all counter to our culture, but maybe the most politically incorrect answer that Jesus ever gave is in the 14th chapter of John when his friend and apostle Thomas asks a question. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, We don't know where you're going. This is right near his crucifixion. We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus responds, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That was a problem back then, and it's been a problem ever since. Now, when Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, he almost certainly was not answering a question about whether Buddhists and Hindus go to hell or not. He was reassuring Thomas that he was on the right path and that he needed to follow Jesus. But the early church started to say, well, there are all kinds of religions around us. Is there something different about Christianity that makes it like the only way? Was Jesus right when he said no one comes to the Father but by me. And so the Apostle Peter in the book of Acts turns to a bunch of of people and he says, yes, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The Apostle Paul turns to his protege Timothy and says, there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. And John, an old man, turns around and says, this is our testimony. This is our story. We're sticking to it. This is our testimony. That God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Some will come to the Son and have life, and others will not and will not have life. That has always been hard for Christians to believe and to say in the middle of a very complex world and never more than in the last couple centuries when people think we're too sophisticated for that. There's all different ways to God. How can you be so parochial to think that? We have just asked these freshmen in high school to say that they believe I am the way, the truth, and the life. What does that mean for them? if you struggle with this, or if you believe it sort of, yeah, I believe that Jesus is the way, but I don't know how I'd explain it, welcome to the club. It's a challenge. But you need to face it. There's a great book by Tim Keller. It's, it's called The Reason for God, Belief in an Age of Skepticism. And this is one of the issues he addresses. He uses a woman named Blair, 24 years old, living in Manhattan, and she writes to Keller and says, I think it's arrogant and exclusive to say that your religion is superior, to try to convert everybody else to it. Surely, all the religions of the world are equally good and valid for meeting the needs of their particular followers. How, how do you answer that? What it's saying is, Jesus sounds good, but all religions are the same, aren't they? You have your truth. I have my truth. Christians are narrow-minded and snobbish when they say that Jesus is the only way. So how do you answer that? Well, I think you have to think about it because it sounds so reasonable, but the reality is we do not think that all religions are equal, do we? I don't think you would even after one sentence. For example, you and I would agree that the Branch Davidian cult or ISIS, or the IRA, are not the same as or equal to being a Buddhist, or a Muslim, or a Jew. You're already making judgments in what people believe. Second, if you look at the different religions of the world, some would say, oh, they all teach basically the same thing, we all end up at the same place. There is a lot in common. All the religions of the world teach about how to treat each other. They have moral values and systems, but they are quite different. For instance, there are claims that this religion makes that are totally opposite with this, and they cannot both be true. Buddhists, wonderful people, Buddhists would say they don't believe in a creator God. There is not one God. In that they are very different than the Muslim or the Christian or the Jew who says there is one God, and they say at that point, either the Buddhists are right or we're right, you can't both be right. They are mutually exclusive. Atheism is a religion. It's a religion that says there cannot be a God, and anybody who believes in God is wrong. It's exclusive. No religion states, come join us, but keep your different beliefs. By its nature, religion is about beliefs that set it apart. So all religions are not the same. But the biggest difference between all these other religions and Christianity is not that we don't all end up at the same place. It's that we all start at a very different place. The other religions are founded by great men or women, but great men who either see a truth or they have a vision and it points them toward God. The Buddha tried to discover the meaning of life. Muhammad felt like he had a vision uh, from God. Confucius tried to make sense of how people should live. Men who point toward the way to live with God. Christianity is completely different. This is not a man who points toward God. This is a man who claims to be God. I am the way, the truth, the life. In another part, I and the Father are one. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. This is not a person pointing to God. This is a person claiming to be God. You either believe that that's true or you call for the people in the white coats. Somebody comes up to you at Lunds and says, I'm God. Would you mind giving me a $20 bill? You have a choice to make. That's the biggest difference. Religion is the attempts of people to reach God. Christianity says that it's about God coming to us. So, all religions do believe that there is something wrong in the world, right? Right? that there is something wrong inside human beings, that there is evil loose in the world, and the way they deal with it is to develop laws or paths or truths that their followers will use to fix their lives so they will get to God, to fix their lives so they will improve the world around us. Some of these religions use a prayer wheel. Others go on pilgrimages. Some give alms to the poor, other religions, avoid eating certain foods, or you pray a specific way, or you go through a series of reincarnations, some would say that there are laws embedded in the universe that point toward God. Jews and Christians would say that. We would call it the Ten Commandments. Now, let me just… Uh, this is not a trick quiz, Okay. But who would agree that the Ten Commandments are part of God's pattern for good life? Who would agree that the Ten Commandments are with God, how God wants us to live? Okay. Almost all of you will. Really, it's not a trick question. How many of you would say that you have never, ever told a lie? No stretching the truth. Somebody's lying over here. They're saying they've never lied <laughs> or exaggerated. Um, no. No. So, one of the things we would say is we have already broken this one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not lie. We're all liars. Okay, now how many of you would say that uh, you, have, uh, ever, you have never stolen anything? You've never stolen anything? A couple of… Five, quarter of you. Okay. So, this is better than the other crowds. This is good. <laughs> all of you have admitted that you're liars, and some of you are lying about having been thieves. But… We're all in this together. When we reflect, we would agree that part of the problem in the world is us. We want to do the right thing. We end up not doing it. But most of us, Christians or not, most of us would like to think that we're going to be okay because God, if there is a God, is good and loving. And that God would overlook our sins mostly because we're not so bad compared to them you always have to have in your back pocket a compared to them. The kid who gossips all the time, the person multiple murders, the, the rapist, the terrorist. Compared to them, I'm really almost a saint, right? If God is good, he'll let, us, he'll let us in. If God loves us, He won't judge us, would He? You think about that for a minute. If you love somebody, do you discipline them? Do you punish them? Do you judge their behavior? I'm afraid that it's exactly because God loves you that there will be judgment and there will be discipline. Think about it as a parent for a second. Think about it as a parent or somebody who has seen kids up close. How would it work if a five-year-old could do absolutely anything that they wanted and not be punished for it because their parents love them so much. I love you. You can do anything that you want. If you overlook sin, if you do not punish and discipline it because you love them, you create a world filled with chaos and a world that is populated with little monsters who think that the world revolves around them and the only good is what they want. So, let's ask again. If God loves you, do you really think he will overlook your particular sin? Or does he have to discipline, punish, judge it? Is that the kind of God you really want that lets you get away with things with the rationale being, oh, he's not as bad as the person behind him? There has to be a sense of judgment Here's one of the key differences between Christianity and the other world religions. The other world religions will say that it is this belief system obeying these laws, this moral code that will satisfy God. Join my religion. Christianity says none of that works. I cannot try hard enough, think good enough, act well enough. I cannot do it. And Christianity says I am not... belief system. I am God coming to rescue. Christianity says that God leaves heaven and comes to us to show us how to live and to rescue us, to allow us to be forgiven and touched by God with grace and love. We cannot do it for ourselves. We can't get out of the pit Someone has to come down for us. One of my friends uses the example of... Uh, you're out to dinner with 20 people and you said you'd take them all out. The check comes and it's got two extra zeros in it. You're toast. There is no possible way you can pay this check. And you're fumbling around in your wallet. You're looking to see, is there anybody here I could ask to split the bill? And I'm just... I'm so toast. And the waiter comes back and he says, Oh, I, for, I forgot to tell you, sir... Um, A person paid your bill as they left. And they said they know you and they love you and they just want you to know this is what grace feels like. And you're going, oh, that is grace. Not something you can do, something Christ has done for you. So that first question are all original religions alike? Do they end up in the same place? It's not being judgmental to say no. They don't claim to be alike. They end up at different places. It is not unreasonable to say that. But the second claim, the second part of that, where the young girl said, Christians are so narrow-minded and snobbish when they say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. What would you say to that? And I'd say, guilty. Christians are jerks. Christians can come across as judgmental. Christians through history have said, we have the way to the truth. We're going to fly, and you're going to fry. And there is a sense that somehow we are superior, and that turns people off left and right. But really, it's not so much about our Christians narrow-minded. It's more like, is there only one way? Is God Fair is God? That sounds so unfair. But think of it this way. Is it, is it fair to have one way? Or is it fair to say, we'll set up a way to God over here and we'll set up a way to God on the other side of the planet and we'll let them fight it out because they are opposite ways and they can't both be true. That seems more unfair to me. Let me give you an analogy that's been helpful to many of us. I have a friend, parents, and uh, they have a little girl, and she's about five, and she got a tumor on her arm, a bump that got bigger and bigger, and so they took her to the doctor and they said, well, well, what do you think? She's had these before and they come up and they go away. Is this this okay? He does a biopsy and he says, well, I'm sorry, It's it's a tumor and it's growing very rapidly and before we can even know about chemo or radiation, we just have to take the tumor out and the parents ask for a second opinion, and the second opinion comes back the same way. It's a rapidly growing tumor, and the parents are just desperate. They don't want to submit, subject their child to this, and so they say, well, how about this? We'll just ignore it. The other bumps have gone away. This will go away. Okay? No, that won't work? Okay. Well, I tell you what, I hear that exercise, if she gets her arms big enough, that'll work. Okay? Okay? No, but I understand that there's new bleach that if you pour the bleach on top of the arm and rub it real hard, it'll go away. No, that won't work either. Well, what if we talk about sending her to a special school? Doc, I know you think the tumor is truth, but that's your truth. That's not my truth. If we sincerely believe that this cream that we're pouring on The bump will make it go away. That'll work out for the best, won't it? Of course not. Of course not. Any more than eating dirt. If you said eating dirt was the answer, you have the right to your opinion, but that that doesn't stop the tumor from growing. Are parents narrow minded? Are my friends narrow minded to accept the cure that the doctor says is the only way to go? No, they're not narrow minded. They are acting rationally with the evidence they have before them. What you need to do is to look at the evidence that Jesus produces about who He is and say, "Is this the way to treat the tumor of my sin?" That ties back to this idea of Christians being snobs. The, uh, the second book I'd offer you is a guy called Lee Strobel. Strobel was an atheist himself. He talked about the case for Christ. And in it, he says, Christians should be anything but snobby. He said, imagine a town that had two country clubs in the town. Imagine a town that had two country clubs in the… T- just, just… The first club… The first club only admits people who have earned their membership. To get in, you've got to obtain superior wisdom, fill a list of demands have certain spiritual requirements. Despite your best efforts, a lot of people just won't make the grade, and they will be excluded. That's in many ways what other religions say, teaching people that they have to work their way to God. But the second country club says, anybody who wants to can come in here. Anybody who wants to, because Jesus has already paid your membership price, rich or poor, gay or straight, black or white, regardless of your heritage or where you live, we would love to have you come in. But remember, entrance is not based on how hard you try or your qualifications. It's only by presenting the invitation that Jesus has made to you. I'm, I'm with the Jesus party. I have trusted to Jesus people at that club say, we'll leave it up to you. It's really your decision. But remember, we'll never turn you away. That is how I think Christians are to avoid being perceived as snobs. That we are just one beggar who has found a loaf of bread who's telling other people where the bread is. So, this goes on. Okay, that sounds pretty good. But you are... Uh, you guys are being led by seniors in high school, right? The seniors in high school are going to go off to, they're going to go to college this next year. Halfway through the second semester of college, they're going to be out in a dorm room one night, and they're going to have one pizza too many. Their friends, not them, their friends will have one beer too many, and the, t- and the talk will turn to this, and somebody will say, yeah, yeah, but what about all those people who live somewhere where they never have a chance to hear about Jesus? Are they going to hell? What's going to happen to them? Ooh. That's another sermon. Come back next week. (laughs) I, I think, though, that what we need to say is that Jesus makes pretty clear that all who seek find. All who knock will have the door opened. That God wants everyone to be saved. There is no trap door. He wants everyone to be saved, and He has sent Jesus to show that God is not fair. Thank God that God is not fair. Fair puts me in a lot of trouble. You need grace. That kind of God can be trusted to answer that kind of question. So, parents, friends, 84% of Americans say that they're convinced that Jesus is the Son of God. That's a great first step. But if you have never acted on that, if you have never put your trust in Jesus to rescue you from being just a good religious person, but asked Him to lead you to safety and a new life, I would urge you to do it once and for all. Before your head hits the pillow tonight, be sure to tell God that that's the desire of your heart. You're tired of the do. You need Jesus to have it done.